Happy Monday, everybody. It's Rob Porter on 970 WDAY AM 93.1 FM. Did you know the great thing about our show is on Mondays? No, what's that? We're coming on right as people are sort of like, they're hitting they're hitting their lunch hour, right? I mean, that's, it's, it's sort of the thing because you start Monday morning and it's like you've got the whole week out in front of you, but it's, lunchtime is sort of that first break. I, I don't know, maybe people take a mid-morning break too, but like you, you hit lunchtime and it's like, it's kind of like, okay, well, maybe Monday's not going to be that bad. Halfway through it. Halfway through the first day of the week, we're doing okay. <laughs> right? Yeah, I suppose I can get behind that. You get behind that? Yeah. That's how you got to think about things. Like, that's how you get through it. Like, you split things up. You ever do that? Like, when you're sitting in, like, a boring class or something in high school, and it's like, it's only five minutes until there's only 20 minutes left in class. <laughs> right? That's what I did all the time. Like, in the classes I really hated. I that's what I did. didn't have a whole lot of those, honestly. I really you didn't loved, have a whole lot of those? I really loved school. I was such a nerd. You know, I did okay in school. You know, I got good grades and everything, but I I hated being there. I hated I hated the bureaucracy. I hated I resented people telling me like how many times a semester I could go to the bathroom. You know, like oh, I'm we not didn't in, have any of that nonsense. You didn't have any of that nonsense. We had that <laughs> no. nonsense all the time. We always had the like you come in and the teacher like on the first day of school is you know going over the rules of their class and it's like you. You know, you, you will be excused twice a semester to go to the bathroom. I suggest you do it, you know, in between classes. Well, we had like four minutes in between classes. So, yeah, you know, that's that's working. But I don't know. I didn't like I didn't like school that much. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. Well, it, it might surprise you that I have always kind of been somebody who's I, I just I have a hard time fitting in, I guess. I don't know. I did too. I was I was just a great teacher's pet, I guess. Were My you? mom was a teacher, so Yeah. I wasn't. I you know <laughs> I didn't like doing my assignments. I thought I thought it was stupid. I like to sit I wish they would just leave me alone and let me read my books at my desk. That would have been the best for me. I would have liked that. All right. Well, that is totally not what we're going to talk about all day today on the show. Uh, we have Brandon Medenwald coming up at 1 o'clock p.m. He is heading up the uh, the the petition, I almost called it a recall petition, the ballot measure. Uh, well, the petition to put the ballot measure on the statewide ballot in November, uh, on Sunday closings. And, you know, that's, that's kind of becoming a, you know, we're, we're entering sort of the busy shopping season and obviously retail is one that's, that's impacted by that in a big way. We'll talk with him about how that's going, how that debate is shaping up across the state. The legislature killed a bill to, uh, to, to repeal North Dakota's blue laws earlier this year. It, it passed in the state house died in the state senate we'll get an update with him about that um also over the weekend um in baseball news my yankees dropped two games to the astros not fun a couple of very close game heartbreakers if you're following that the nfl what happened in the nfl natil you you watch you watch football i can't remember if you're a football fan i do watch some football yeah i'm not not like a huge fan i'm a steelers i don't know about these days about the only thing i get from the nfl is like you know they had games players kneeled that's well, the only thing you ever hear anymore. The Green Bay Packers quarterback got a broken collarbone uh, in a big hit from That's a Vikings defensive That's player. That's the dude from the State Farm commercials, right? Yes. Yeah. Says Eric Johnson. I was like, this I, don't, is how, I don't know. This is, this is how I know him. All right. Uh, so there's there's been a lot of ruckus about that, uh, some discussion about whether or not there should be better, reg- different regulations. I shouldn't say better, different regulations on uh, how quarterbacks need to be handled in the games, et cetera, et cetera. So the Vikings had a big win. Steelers had a good win. 
That's about all I care about, I guess. Yeah. The kneeling stuff continued to happen. I wanted to people so care. Ignoring, I mean, I'm still I'm so ignoring that now. I'm tired of talking yeah. about it. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear the president talking about it. I don't want to hear anybody talking about it anymore. Just shut up. You know, you don't really want to hear talk. the play. I, I don't. I don't really want to hear the players. I mean, the thing is, it's just any any point, like any any actual like point to that whole thing has just been lost. I mean, it's just nobody's making any solid. It's it's just. Two sides just talking past each other now. That's all it is. I just want to find something else to talk about. There's nothing productive there anymore. All right. Well, let's stop talking about it then. 701 Email talk at WDAY.com. We're starting to get some financials in uh, for some of the candidates running for federal office uh, in the Senate race. Uh, Senator Heidi Heitkamp. I, I was just on the FEC website this morning and didn't see her actual report. But she did sort of leak out some details. This is what the politicians like to do when they don't want you to scrutinize their their reports too closely. They like to leak out like their their sort of top level fundraising figures and then drop the report later because then by then it's it's not as newsworthy, right? We already have sort of that top number, how much they raised or whatever, and you can compare it to their opponents and all that stuff. Um, I, I think Senator Heitkamp does it right now. She is on a fundraising binge. She raised another. Uh, this report was the October quarterly, uh, so it's it's through September 30th, and uh, she raised about another million bucks. I think she's got about four million bucks on hand. Which I mean, that's a haul for for North by North Dakota standards. That is a lot of money. Um, you know, I think she's she's sort of dropping the numbers early because she doesn't want people to go back and see just how much of it is coming from out of state. Uh, you know, Democrats really see this seat in North Dakota as being vulnerable. And so they are fundraising a ton of money, but most of it's not coming from North Dakota. I, I would hazard to guess that, although we don't have the data yet, you know, these latest figures from Senator Heitkamp also show most of her money coming from out of state. That's just how they're doing it right now, uh, because she's trying to scare other people out of the state. That's also why Democrats in, in North Dakota are being so vicious uh, against Kevin Kramer and, and everybody else, they will keep him out of the Senate race. They know Democrats. I think Democrats in North Dakota know they have a basically one shot at winning a statewide election this cycle, and that's Heidi Heitkamp because they haven't. I mean, she, the only other time they've won since 2008 was when she ran six years ago in 2012. So, you know, that's where we're at. Uh, a Republican uh, Senate candidate Tom Campbell raised about a half million bucks, which, you know, is is not bad. Uh, I and again, I I didn't see the FEC report, so I can't really break down where that money came from. But I mean, he raised about a half billion bucks. I mean, that's not terrible for a you know a state senator. Never been on the statewide ballot before. You know, there's still a lot of people waiting to see who else is going to get in that race for Republicans. That's that's a pretty strong number for for Campbell, actually. I think uh, people are comparing it to Height Camp, but you got to remember Height Camp's been fundraising since the beginning of 2017. You know. Uh, Campbell, I don't even think has been at it. He's been at it. What? Two, three, four months now, something like that. So probably not even four months. I think like three months, two months, maybe, um, you know, comparing what he raised to, to what high camp raised, you know, he's got a half million in the bank. She's got about 4 million in the bank. Now that's probably what you would expect an incumbent who's been fundraising basically the last six years she's been in office versus, uh, you know, a guy who just got in the race a few months ago. Uh, the, the really interesting thing is in the United States, uh, house race, Kevin Kramer raising about a hundred thousand bucks in the last, uh, the last quarter, 
you know, I think he's got about eight hundred thousand dollars on hand. Kramer usually gets off slow in his fundraising, you know, and and he doesn't he hasn't raised a lot of money because he hasn't really faced a lot of challengers and. You know, there's a question of whether or not he's going to run for the Senate, and I'm not sure he will run for the Senate at this point. In fact, I think if he was going to run for the Senate, he'd be raising more money at this point. But right now, if he runs again for the House, he seems poised pretty well because Democratic House candidate Ben Hansen raised $36,000, which is a pathetic number. Uh, He's been campaigning since the middle of August and uh, just hasn't raised much money. And I, I think if I think if. There may be no Republican elected on the statewide ballot who more consistently infuriates Democrats in North Dakota than Kevin Kramer. If they were hoping, though, that there was going to be some upswell in support for people looking to unseat him and dropping a bunch of money into the uh, the campaign coffer of his competitors. Well, I think Ben Hansen just proved him wrong coming off a legislative campaign in which he placed fourth place, lost his seat in the state house, and now can't seem to raise any money. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Caller, Joe, you're up. Hey, Rob, what's going on today? Doing pretty good. What's up? Well, you know, with Tom Campbell, I think probably, what would you say? I'd say about 80%, 90% of the people are thinking, you know, who the heck is this guy, right? You know, they... Well, mo- well in, in his defense, I think most people probably think that about somebody who's running for the statewide ballot for the first time. I mean, a lot, of, not a lot of, he's, right. Tom Campbell's pretty well known in political circles, outside of political circles he's got to raise his name id which is probably why he's bombarding us all with tv ads uh he wants you to remember his name not a lot of people know his name to this point so yeah i guess so uh like van hansen i mean that's gonna be same a, same that's yeah a waste, same that's situation. a waste he could just as well give that money to me and i could go on a vacation with that money that wasted yeah. on what he's doing you know what I mean? yeah i mean same situation i mean ben hansen i mean i'm sorry but barring some catastrophic um, you know, assuming Kevin Kramer runs again for the U.S. House, and I think he's gonna, uh, barring some cataclysmic scandal or, or controversy or turn of events that, that just completely implodes his campaign, uh, there's no way Ben Hansen's gonna be seated in the United States House of Representatives. And I think even well, he has well, to know that at this point. Yeah, well, Tom Campbell has come out really early, but uh, I mean, you know, you know, he doesn't even know for sure if he's gonna be the candidate, right? Well, he's got, he's, I mean, he, he is the candidate. He is a candidate now. Um, right now, though, we're in the primary stage, so he's running right. for the Republican nomination. So right now, he's the only candidate officially in that race. Eventually, I think he's going to get challengers, and yeah, Republicans will decide who's going to be their person to run against Heidi Heitkamp. Well, I've been hearing uh, this uh, uh, Miller and uh, Nessa are two possibilities. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I actually I actually broke the news on both of those. Kathy Nesson, State Board of Higher Ed member and a uh, oil field consultant out in western North Dakota. She's from Tioga. She's thinking about running. Uh, and, yeah, Tammy Miller from Border States Electric, CEO. She's thinking about running as well. Uh, there's been some other names. You know, Rick Berg is not necessarily ruling out a, a Senate run and, and some others. So Republicans, it's going to be an interesting race. Joe, thanks for the call. Yeah. More to come straight ahead if you want to join in. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at wday.com. Don't go away. (laughs) 
Welcome back, Rob Report 970 WDAY AM 93.1 FM 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. It, it's actually kind of amazing, Atil, that we're talking about these campaigns in, in depth to, to the extent we are in, you know, October of 2017. I mean, it's it's way early. As a matter of fact, in the 2012 cycle, I, I don't even think at this point in the cycle Heidi Heitkamp had even announced that she was running for the Senate yet. Uh, and we're still, I mean, we're, we're going to get at least one more, probably probably more than one Republican candidate in that Senate race. I think Kramer's probably going to stay in the U.S. House race at this point, but I don't know. He may surprise me. Um, you know, so, I mean, there's there's still a lot to happen, but it's it's way, way early for this stuff, and yet we're talking about it because... That's just how early this all starts anymore. I mean, it's it's just that's just the way it is now. Well, maybe it won't be that way, you know, for the rest of time. But we're definitely in a in a period in our history where political change seems to be on the mind of a lot of people. Yeah. And we're definitely talking more about politics in our everyday lives right now. So it's starting so early in this particular cycle doesn't necessarily surprise me. I don't know that it'll stick yeah. that way, but it sure is going I mean, that way right now. I mean, really, the first person to start campaigning was Heidi Heitkamp. I mean, she was out. She started earlier this year. She was out touting her first quarter fundraising numbers. I mean, she was out, you know, talking about how much money she raised. And I because I, I think she's obviously looking down the trail, knowing that, you know, she's in a state that Republican uh, that Republicans dominate, that Donald Trump won by a wide margin. Uh, she knows that. She is potentially vulnerable. Now, I, I don't think Republicans should overplay their hands. I think Heitkamp's going to be a tough a tough nut to crack on the campaign trail. But, you know, she was feeling vulnerable. She was really the first one in, you know, getting all this started. And then I think that sort of prompts, you know, Tom Campbell, who's the other one who's been out campaigning early, to, to hop, hop in the race. And we are where we're at. You know what's interesting, though, is, I mean, you, you make an interesting point about how right now, you know, more people are engaged than ever. I mean, that used to be something a lot of people complained about, right, was how apathetic people were about politics and how nobody was engaged and nobody was paying attention. I I don't know how to quantify it, and I'm not sure how you would go about measuring it, right, because I, I, you know, I don't know if voter turnout is the right way to measure it. I don't know if if discussion metrics or or whatever are the right way, but I, I would argue that there are probably more people in America engaged in politics on a daily basis than just about any other time in our, our country's history, just because of social media and Twitter, and it's in front of us all the time, and it has permeated everything. I mean, we're talking about the NFL kneeling thing. I mean, politics is everywhere now, and I, I know people say, well, it's always been like this. Well, no, it, it really hasn't. It hasn't been like this, and I, I don't know. I mean, I, I remember I remember when I was a kid, or younger at least, in my teens, hearing People complain about political apathy. Well, here's the other side of the coin. This is what mass political engagement looks like, and it's a little ugly. I mean, what, what else do you expect when so many people engage all, all at once? I mean, everybody's got an opinion now. Everybody's weighing in. Everybody's got their hot take on Facebook and Twitter and everything, and this, this is what it looks like. This is what it looks like when the masses engage. I think that idea of a hot take is a big part of the the problem, though. I mean, this this definitely yeah. is the other side of the coin, but it's not necessarily the only other side we could be showing. Because right now it seems to yeah. me like 
a lot of the political discussion is so rooted in emotion yeah. as opposed to actually finding some sort of logical discussion to, to yeah. base policy on. Oh, oh, uh, but, uh, trust me, I get it. I mean, I, I was just reading on Twitter. Senator Heidi Heitkamp put out a tweet right before I came on the, the air, and she's talking about how uh, you know Trump's executive orders are going to deny people health care and drive up premiums and everything else. And it's, I mean, she's one who's simultaneous out there. She's like, well, let's find a bipartisan way to work together. I mean, that, that wants to be her outgoing message when we don't have any specifics, but then somebody puts specifics on the table, and she's out there demagoguing them like everybody else. And it's it's all, it's not a lot of stuff that's rooted in, like, fact. It's it's always sort of rooted in this idea, well, the opposition isn't sufficiently empathetic of, of whoever. I mean, that, to me, is just so fundamentally unhelpful. I don't know how we ever work together when that that is the outgoing message. It's unfortunate, but... It's where we're at, and I mean, sometimes you got to be careful what you wished for. In another age, we wished more people would get involved in politics. Well, you know what? More people are involved now, and there's probably a lot of people out there wishing some of them would shut up. More to come straight ahead here on the Rob Report. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. I'm going to get some headlines with the teal. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Report on night 70 WDY AM 93.1 FM. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDY.com. Went to a uh, movie yesterday, Natil. Another one? What'd you go see? Uh, I went and saw the My Little Pony movie. Oh, was it good? Did you take your daughters? <laughs> yeah, uh, well, one of my daughters is a little too old for My Little Pony. Uh, but I took my, I took my nine year old and she liked it. She enjoyed it. Although even she was a little worried. She's like, well, what if I see friends from school there? They're going to know that I still like my little pony. And I said, well, honey, if, you if see we them see, there. if we see them there, then it's probably a pretty good indication that they like my little pony too. Oh, I got to see the princess bride on the big screen. Now is weekend. that the, that's the 30th anniversary release, right? Yeah, yeah, it was it was really awesome to see it in theaters. I I've never would be seen fun. it in a theater before, so it was really cool. That that would be fun. It depresses me that that movie is 30 years old though. It's still a classic. I still love oh. it every time I see it, although it does contain one of my biggest childhood fears of all time, the rodents of unusual size. Yeah. Those terrified me when I was little. The the eels nothing. The uh what was the other Scare! Oh, the the big machine. Yeah, nothing. But the rodents of unusual size, nightmare fuel. I um, I am so old. I I can't believe that movie <laughs> is thirty years old. All right. Uh, I tell you, let's get some headlines. All right. So we're gonna start off with something that came out over the weekend. Uh, the book, the very popular book, the very famous classic book, To Kill a Mark- Mockingbird by Harper Lee has been taken off of a Mississippi school reading list because some language in the book makes people uncomfortable. You know, they did the same thing with um, Huckleberry Finn, right? Because mm-hmm. you had you have the you, N-word. You have the N-word, yep. And uh, listen, this is what bothers me. I mean, when we're having the debate over, like, the Civil War monuments, when we're having the debate over uh, a lot of this stuff, uh, Columbus Day, um what bothers me is that we're 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 suppressing things that that actually happened, 
right? I mean, this, this, that's what really worries me. And I'm not saying that uniformly we just have to cling and, and never, ever change anything or never adapt anything. You know, I'm, I'm okay with, I'm okay with adding Indigenous Peoples Day to Columbus. If we're going to have Columbus Day, which I think is kind of silly to begin with, I'm okay with adding Indigenous Peoples Day to it alongside of learning about Columbus. I mean, those are two sides of a momentous time in history. And we ought to teach both perspectives, not have a debate over teaching one or the other. With the monuments, uh, you know, it's some have more historical value than others. You know, I'm, I'm willing to talk about this on a case-by-case basis. But the thing is, the Civil War happened. And it it is ingrained, for better or worse, in the history of our country. And I don't know what we're really accomplishing by, like, you know, tearing down statues and so stuff like this, too, like we're going to start suppressing great works of American literature because thematically they, they don't match up to, to 20, to, you know, 2017 notions about language or but that's race the, that's relations. But that's the entire point of To Kill a Mockingbird. The entire point of To Kill a Mockingbird is to point out the racial inequality problems that were going on in Alabama at that time. Right. And, and how somebody to took make, a stand. Yeah, it's supposed to make you uncomfortable. It's suppo- It was supposed to make the people right. of that time uncomfortable. Well, great, great literature, great art should make you feel uncomfortable. Like, it should challenge you. It should be challenging. You want to know what the worst part about this whole this whole story is? The school in Biloxi where they took this book off of the eighth grade curriculum uh, still flies the Confederate flag with the American flag oh. at their school. So, but that doesn't make people uncomfortable enough, apparently. Oh, so what, what was the impetus for taking the book? I mean, was it like parents complaining or what, what was the problem? Uh, they had received complaints that language in the book made people uncomfortable. And the complaints argued that they could teach the same lesson with other books. The book still exists within the Biloxi Library but they're going to use a different book in the 8th no. grade course. Okay, so so we didn't we didn't ban the book. We're just going to ignore it. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Oh my god. I, I wish I could be I wish I could be the one to answer some of these complaints sometimes, right? You come <laughs> in, well, Mr. Port, the book makes me feel uncomfortable. Well, deal with it. You live in a free society. Okay? In America, like we we talk about that all the time. We like our freedoms. We like to say what we want to say. We like to do what we want to do. Well, you know what? The price of admission to that society so you can mostly say what you want and mostly do what you want is that sometimes you're going to have to deal with people saying and doing and writing things you don't like that much. That's the price of admission. And and, and tell you what, if if you can't, if you don't want to pay the price of admission, then get the hell out. All right. Well, you obviously don't approve of a school saying no to Harper Lee's To Kill a Mockingbird. Well, let's let's change the rules a little bit here. How do you feel about universities ahead of Halloween telling students oh. what they should not be wearing as costumes? You know, it used to be it was just Christmas time when we had to do like the war on Christmas stuff and everybody goes fainting in the bushes because there's a nativity scene where there shouldn't be a nativity scene or somebody saying happy holidays and not Merry Christmas or whatever the heck it is. Um, now it's like Halloween has become this too, right? Where and you know the thing is, is like everybody getting upset. And I don't, I don't know what, what's the story. Do we well, have like we're, we're specifically, do we have like campus like rapid response teams in case somebody dresses up like a Native American? No, it, it's it's a it's a sort of movement that's been I guess it's been going on for quite a while now because I've been aware of the idea of cultural appropriation for a long time. But 
the idea is that a culture is not a costume. And universities are putting out flyers that say things like, you know, wearing a Native American headdress isn't appropriate for Halloween because their culture is not a costume, similarly to wearing a a sombrero and going as a quote-unquote Mexican So then what can you dress up? We're going to get to a point where you can only dress up as like a vegetable. Well, no. Yeah, it's going to be a bunch of cucumbers and pineapples and stuff walking down the street because everybody's scared to death to insult anybody else. You see, you don't you don't see where they're where they're coming from, and the idea that a a a costume and a a costume can't like a culture is not a costume. I think I think you just deal with it. You don't like somebody's Halloween costume? Don't look at it. <laughs> You're just on a deal with it thing. I see. I can see where this is coming from. I have, I don't. I, have I don't some at issues, all. I have some issues with how people purport in, cultural appropriation. In, in the in, in in the grand history of like oppression of minorities in this country from slavery to the genocide of Native Americans and everything else, Halloween costumes shouldn't even like be a blip on the radar. This is so inconsequential. And, and I think we're, we're making it worse, right? By everybody flipping out about this all the time, we literally make it worse because we are taking something that is nothing. Like, like this is, this is literally grownups at college, right? Cause that's what these, we call them kids and everything, but they're adults. They are. They're yes. over 18 and they're, it's, it's their Halloween costumes, and this is like national news now. Everybody's flipping out about this. This doesn't matter. There are, there are millions and millions of things that matter a lot more than this. Stop. Well, Stop. And every time, now, now you're making it like a badass thing to do, though, right? Now you're making it a badass thing to do, to go out and dress like this. So now people are being purposely provocative so that they could be banned on purpose. I don't know. Maybe it doesn't mean anything to you. Maybe it's a nothing to you. Maybe it's not a nothing to the minority groups that are putting this information out. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Well, yeah. how many? How many? How many actual? I mean, because it, yeah, it's the minority groups, right? But are they really speaking for larger populations? I mean, are there are there vast swaths of Native Americans out there who are really that upset about this? I don't know. That's, I that's don't, what everybody I don't said. Know. I don't know vast swaths of Native Americans. That's what everybody that's what everybody said about place. Okay, well, that's what everybody said about the the Fighting Sioux logo, right? It was just this assumption that Native Americans were upset about this logo and nickname at the University of North Dakota, but the one vote we ever held of a Native American population on that issue, it won overwhelmingly at Spirit Lake. And well, so I, I think I think I think sometimes these people appoint themselves the spokespeople for what minority groups are and are not offended about. And I'm not even sure how accurate it is. And that one makes a lot of sense in a lot of ways because, you know, fighting Sue to me seems a lot less offensive than the Redskins, for example. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean listen, if you dress up and you're like, hey, look, I'm a I'm a you know, uh so I don't, I'm trying to think of something really – I don't understand. I'm completely blanking on, like, offensive things that you could dress up as. But <laughs> a, I, a this is horrible. Chief? Is I, that I, what you wanted? Or yeah, you well, want I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're dressed up and you're like, oh, I'm a, I'm a drunk Native American, right? Horrible, ugly stereotype. Uh, if you do that, you're an a-hole, right? But I, I don't understand why this has to be, like, part of, like, some larger narrative other than there's a lot of, like, activist groups out there that I think – there's really not a lot wrong in American society on the whole speaking, you know, relative to the rest of human history. Things are pretty good right now. And so I think what we've got is a lot of political groups that are looking for things to do. And I think that's where outrage over Halloween costumes is coming from. All there's right, not a lot right. of there's not there's really not that much strife in American life today. We've got it pretty good. 
And so I, I, th- I think this is a lot of people just like activists who don't have anything better to do. And so this is the fight they pick because there's not really anything better to fight about. All right, let's switch gears here. We're going to head to the NFL and some sports news. Uh, and it doesn't necessarily have to do with people that are kneeling today, but Colin Kaepernick has now filed a collusion grievance against the NFL. Mark Garagos is his lawyer, I saw. Yes, in fact. Um, and he, his statement about the grievance was that as of yesterday morning, he was able to confirm that they filed a grievance under the CBA on behalf of Colin Kaepernick, uh, saying that it was done only after pursuing every possible avenue with all NFL teams and their executives. You know, because he hasn't he, he hasn't yeah. been able to find a new job, and he's attempted to get back. He's been tempted to get in with every one of the NFL teams and nobody's offering him a job. And I mean, this is, this is, this is a tough thing. I think this is going to be a tough case for him to make because it's such like talent evaluation is such a subjective thing, right? I mean, it's, you know, you and I, I mean, if, if, you know, you and I may look at a player and, you know, one of us may say, wow, he's a really good player. And the other of us says, well, no, you know, you could do better or he's not worth the money he wants or whatever. It's a subjective process. Right. And so, I mean, this is really a can of worms for the NFL, because on one hand, you have this sort of mob of political activists who are upset and feel that that Kaepernick was blackballed by the NFL. But on the other hand, what's the NFL supposed to do? Tell teams like like come down and box teams in on how they can evaluate talent, and which players may or may not fit, because it's not even just on field talent either i mean a lot of teams make decisions based on like clubhouse presence whether or not this player is going to be a distraction right i mean there's there's been a lot of players in a lot of different sports throughout history that on field they're great players talented people but off the off the field or in the clubhouse they're a distraction because they don't get along with their teammates or they're creating off-field drama you know they're out drinking they're out partying they're in the tabloids all the time they're committing crimes in some instances now Kaepernick Kaepernick's distraction I guess was politics but can you blame a lot of teams for maybe not wanting to I mean their their goal is to win football games right football's their business not politics I mean can you blame them for maybe not even if it was about his politics can you blame him for not maybe wanting to bring that distraction into the clubhouse no absolutely not but I guess I guess the big question is whether or not there was some sort of collusion amongst the teams or some yeah. sort of pressure from the the board the big dudes that run the whole nfl on the teams to not hire if, if they could prove that if they could prove that then i think they got a case but i mean is there any evidence of that out there other than just sort of innuendo from well, people yeah, and i guess i don't i don't know i don't know what kaepernick and his lawyer have to present because at this point in time this is the first legal yeah. legal step they've taken if 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 the team, if, I mean, if there was some like 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 I I don't know behind the scenes effort for all the owners to get together and blackball this guy, then yeah, that that's a problem, and you know the, the the league needs to do something about it. People need to be held accountable. But if everybody took a pass on Kaepernick because a his skills were in decline. Now I'm not a football fan, so I can't really speak to that one way or the other. But I've heard a lot of people say that. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. I that's a subjective thing. But if they didn't want to take him on because his skills are in decline and he's a big distraction in the clubhouse with all the, the kneeling and the and the politics stuff, then so be it. It's their decision to make. It's their team. It's their business. They can do what they want. You know, so what a headache for the NFL. Oh, absolutely. Let's sneak this one in here real quick because it's not going to take too long. Chinese runaway space station will crash to Earth within months. 
Okay, I, I I feel like the fact that this isn't like like blaring from the top of Drudge Report and everything else is there's got to be something more. Is it going to burn up on reentry or what? A lot of it probably will burn up in reentry. It's an 8.5 ton uh, satellite called Heavenly Palace. It's out of control and it's it's coming back into the atmosphere. Um, someone from yeah. Harvard University, a Harvard University astrophysicist, Jonathan McDowell, says that he's expecting it to come into the atmosphere within a few months, sometime between yeah. late 2017 and early 2018. But while a lot of it is going to burn up in atmosphere, there are going to be significant chunks that have the ability to kill someone if it ends up in a populated area. And they yeah. can't really steer it as it's coming back down. Right. I mean, this is this is a big risk, and it's scary and everything, and, you know, it's probably something that needs to be addressed in, like, space policy and everything else. But it, to me, it makes me think all these people call, talk all the time about how the, the Earth is overpopulated and everything else. The fact that this probably isn't going to hit anybody, which is probably why it's not getting that much news coverage, just illustrates how much empty space there is still on the globe, even with all the billions and billions of people on it. Most of the globe is still empty. This is probably going to splash down in water somewhere, and and nobody. Oh, hopefully, gets hurt. absolutely. We hopefully, hope it, I mean, we maybe hope not. It the ocean. I, I, it's not really something I want to keep rolling the dice on, but I, it just makes you think. Like you hear all this heavy breathing. Oh, the Earth's overpopulated. Now we got more room than you might realize. All right, we're going to take a break. Thanks for the news, the two. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at wdy.com. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob. Report on 970 WDAY AM 93.1 FM. Back during the uh, headline segment, Natil had one about um, college campuses cracking down on Halloween costumes. It's the same crap we hear every year. A couple emails about that, though. Uh, Jerry emails. Uh, he says, so much for the hooker costumes on Halloween. Actually, I don't think that's going to be the case, Natil. I think there's still going to be people, maybe not just right out in public, but I, you're going to go to parties on Halloween and still see hooker costumes. Well, there's there. there's always sexy X. I mean, you, you get yeah. like sexy donald trump sexy the moon well in, like in the, pan, in the in the pantheon of things that we're not allowed to caricature or or mock or make fun of or anything or offend uh sex workers still seems to be things that that's something that most people feel okay with well, and that or, and that seems to be the difference between the idea of a, a culture and an occupation because right. being a sex worker isn't a culture it's an occupation and you can, yeah, still, I guess you can still be like a policeman or a fireman. So uh, James says, so can my daughter not dress up as Pocahontas this year? I mean, I guess that's a good question. I mean, if, if it's a little girl, she's got like a Pocahontas costume from Disney. Is that offensive? See, and now that that one is sort of interesting to me because Pocahontas is a historical figure. And right. you're going as a specific historical figure, not just... But are you appropriating Native American culture if a little white girl dresses up as Pocahontas? I, I don't know, because you're not, you're not just going as, you know, a Native American woman or something like that, or a, a shaman. You're not dressing up as Native American shaman B. You're going as Pocahontas. Yeah. So I don't know. I yeah, don't know I mean, and, and, and it's, it's also, I mean, I, I think sometimes we don't take enough time thinking about, like, the intent. 
right? Like, yeah, and that's that's another huge thing. Is if the if the intent is to dress up as a specific character, like a specific historic figure, because you look up to that historic figure, or your daughter super loved the movie Pocahontas. The intention there isn't to appropriate. It's, it's like positive. Culture. Like this is somebody. This is somebody that I look up to. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, if you go out there and you you do something that's like just horrible stereotype of some minority well really anybody right i mean i mean even even you go out there and you're like oh i'm you know some moron white guy right like i don't i'm trying to think of redneck you know what i'm I mean? gonna dress like, up as a redneck right that's that's not real nice either right i mean that's like okay so we're gonna make fun of rural people they're dumb right i mean those are stereotypes about people from the rural parts of the country that were dumb were unsophisticated uh you know is that fair not really, but no, people do not. it all the time, and you know I don't think anybody's going to get kicked off their college campus for dressing up as a redneck this year, though, Natil. Yeah, I somehow don't see that happening. Yeah. All right, uh, we're going to go. Uh, Brandon Menenwald, we're going to talk. He's working on uh, the ballot measure to get rid of North Dakota's Sunday closing laws, the uh, so-called blue laws. We'll see how his ballot initiative is going. We'll get the update right after this break on the Rob Report on 970 WDAY AM and 93.1 FM. Don't go away. Welcome back, Hour 2, Rob Report on 970 WDY AM, 93.1 FM. Your call-in number, 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. Our, uh, our guest this uh, this segment is Brandon Menenwald. He is a citizen who is heading up an effort to repeal North Dakota's so-called blue laws. These are the... Uh, I, I guess also known as the Sunday closing laws. There was an effort to uh, repeal these laws in the legislature earlier this year. It passed in the state house. It failed in the state Senate on a close vote. Uh, now it's probably going to be on the ballot and here to, to give us an update on how that's going is Brandon. Brandon, how is it going? I would say things are going great. The response from the public in general has been very positive. Uh, we were out. Um, we go out all the time. In fact, we were just out just this last weekend. And for the most part, I think a lot of people are really responsive to the uh, to the issue and responsive to the fact that it's time for people to be allowed to decide these things and not necessarily the government when it comes to when you should be spending time yeah. in church or when you're going to rest with your family or when you're going to work or when you're going to shop. So, yeah, the um, this the state law requires it's it's somewhere it's in the neighborhood of about 14,000 signatures. I'm forgetting the exact number. Uh, your goal is uh, 20,000 signatures. How are you doing on that? Yeah, I'd say we're on our way. So we're pretty much on track to meet our goal by July. Uh, so uh, right now, I don't know our exact numbers because it's always tough with so many people all over the state to know exactly sure. where you're at at any given moment. Uh, but I'd say we're on pace to make that. We do, however, know that the winter is going to be a challenge because it's very difficult, obviously, to gather. It's hard to find North Dakotans outside in, like, yeah, in like January. <laughs> It's exactly. Hard. Nobody wants to stand outside and gather signatures or sign anything right. at 10 below zero, including me. So so while we do know that that's going to be a challenge during the winter, we're planning on launching a uh, a fall pledge drive uh, that we're going to do starting hopefully at the end of this week, 
where we're going to ask citizens across the state of North Dakota if they'd be willing to help us out by just completing one packet and finding 50 people who uh, who could sign for this thing. And we'll send them the necessary material, and we'll send them a self-addressed stamped envelope to send it back to us. And we're hoping that'll be a great way to reach out across a lot of parts of the state where we can't be and also give us a great way to reach out and get a lot of petition signatures during what is going to be a challenging time for us climate-wise. The um, 701-293-9000, if you want to join in, 888-970-9329, email talk at WDAY.com. I've been involved in a few initiated measure campaigns over the years, and one of the things I like best about it was just talking with people, right? I mean, you approach them with the petition, you you know talk about what it is exactly, and a lot of times you end up in almost like a little debate with some of the people, either because they're learning more about it or maybe they disagree with you. And I'm, I'm curious, what sort of feedback are you getting? I mean, I, I know most people you're talking to, maybe they support it, maybe they're signing it, but are, are you getting some pushback? Are you hearing from some people who are saying, uh, no, we don't like this idea, we don't want to sign the petition, we want to keep things as, as it is? Well, you're spot on. I, it's, uh, for me, the fun part is sometimes having those mini debates. And most of the time when you do end up in a mini debate when you're asking for signatures, a lot of times it's for people who don't want the laws to change. And so those are fun times to be able to engage people and talk. Uh, we have had a little pushback from some people because, you know, there are some people who don't want the law to change. Most of the pushback we get will usually fall into the category of, well, I don't think we need to change the law because this law doesn't really affect me. Most of the time, that's from somebody who's either says, well, I like to sleep in on Sunday morning, so I really don't care for the law days. Or it'll be from somebody who says, I like to attend my church service on Sunday morning, so I don't think the law should change. And those are fun debates to have. We always come down on the same side of this, that if you'd like to sleep in, you should absolutely sleep in. And if you'd like to go to church, that's great. You should absolutely go to church. But the, if the law changes, then... You can still do all of those things. Those things are still going to be things you can do, spend time with your family. All of those things are great. What it doesn't do is it doesn't force other people who have different ideas or different schedules than you from being able to do things that right now might be illegal. So if I wanted to, um, if I wanted to run errands on a Sunday morning because I have a husband or wife who happens to be a doctor and they're working on Sunday morning, for me, my family time isn't going to be Sunday mornings then. Uh, or I might not be going to church on Sunday mornings because my significant other is busy doing a very important job we need them to do. So for those people, the Sunday closing law doesn't make a lot of sense because they need to spend that time at other times. And we think the law should be flexible enough to accommodate everybody, not just those who do have their plans on Sunday morning they want to do. Uh, laws have to cover everything, and so we think the law should be uh, putting the power into the hands of the people. And so those debates are kind of what we get into when we're doing the pushback. They're always a lot of fun. I enjoy them. Um, and we've definitely changed the minds of some people out there in the state as we've been out and sure. about. Yeah, and I, I, I want to say, first of all, I agree. I, I agreed with the the bill to repeal the blue laws back during the legislative session. I agree with mm -hmm. this ballot initiative now. Uh, but, but just for devil's advocate, one, one, one argument that people make, because I, I think what you make is a very compelling argument. This law doesn't mm -hmm. mean it. If you want to go to church on Sunday morning, this law doesn't change that. Your church isn't going to be closed. You can still go to church. You can still sleep in. You can go hunting with your kids. You can do whatever you want mm -hmm. on Sunday morning. Exactly. This really doesn't change that. But what about the people who say, listen, I'm a retail employee. I don't get a lot of time off. And believe me, I've, I've worked retail. I managed a retail store. I mean, that could be a grueling schedule at times. They say Sunday mornings are one of the few times we can count on being off. We don't want to change that. What's your response to that argument? 
Sure, and and full disclosure, I worked retail situations too, just like you. I've worked in retail when I was in college. I, um, I my parents also owned a restaurant my entire adolescent life, where we were working on Sundays and Saturdays, you name it. So, uh, typically, what I'll say to somebody who says, "Well, I'm I'm, I'm either a retail worker or uh, something, and I don't want the uh, my hours to change." Well, we never hear that from the big retailers because, of course, the big retail workers, they're already working Sunday morning. If you drive by Walmart or Target, the store is full of people. They're doing inventory. They're cleaning. They're doing things. So they're already working. For the smaller retailers, uh, you know, it'll be up to an individual retailer on a case-by-case basis. And from the retailers I've spoken to, most, if not all, small retailers are probably going to keep their hours or only extend them by one hour. There are not a lot of situations where mom and pops, I think, going to be changing their store hours to be 24-7 just because they can do this, uh, just because they're not competing with the likes of Walmart on a 24-by-7 schedule. But even then, beyond all of that, if I'm just a retail worker and I don't want to come in those extra two hours earlier, uh, then what I would honestly say to them, too, is that there are other laws that we currently have in North Dakota that are designed to protect you from that exact situation. In fact, the one that I keep coming back to a lot is the labor law we have. It's called the one day in seven law. And the way that law is structured in North Dakota is it says your retailer must give you a day off for religious practices at least once a week. And if they don't give you that time off, they have to prove the burden is always on the business owner to prove that there is going to be harm to their business and they had no other choice and they tried to do everything they could to give you that time off. And that's a law that's not used a lot. I grant that that's true. But it is a law and it should be enforced. And those are the last refuge you can use employers absolutely forcing you to do something right. that you really just don't want to do and, and, and that, that, honest, pro- that, that loss that loss probably not evoked a lot because i i have a feeling that most employers you know in north dakota if, if they have an employee who needs you know i don't know maybe their sabbath is on like saturday or something and mm-hmm. most employers i think are probably flexible say okay well saturday is your day you know we'll make that work we'll cover with other people or, or whatever we're going to do I, I have a feeling it's not a problem because it's so reasonable that most employers aren't going to risk losing a good employee uh, over something like that. Well, and I think that's a perfect example because I know, again, I'm not in the retail business. I'm not going to make one extra cent if this law changes. I run a software company, so we're not covered by it. But in software, just the same as a lot of businesses in North Dakota right now, people to do the job. And what that means is, is that very kind to your employees, and that means treating them well. If you're an employer who's going to mandate that come in and not give them any other options. You're not going to have a lot of employees very long. And we do live in North Dakota. where I think for the most part, business owners are very, very uh, kind to people of that nature. I know a lot of people who work retail at places like Home Depot and a couple of those, and they have that off because they've made a priority in their life to focus on Sunday morning being their religious time. And employers are more than happy to work with you if you're a good employee. So I do think that that'll be few and far between uh, as a business owner, my job is to make sure I have the best employees, treat them well so that they go out and they make me money during the day. All right. Now, uh, let's let's just get into some details quick. People who are interested in your measure, if they want to read it, if they maybe want to help collect signatures, if they want to find a place where they can sign it, where do they get information? Sure. Well, our website is uh, ndopenonsundays.com. Uh, it will be getting a new facelift. It's been out for a year, but it'll be getting a new facelift when we focus on this uh, idea of our pledge drive later on in this week. But that's a great place to go. You can see our measure language there. Um, also, we are on Twitter and Facebook. Specifically, Facebook has a, is a great way where you can, A, contact us if you'd like to help, B, like us to get our message out there, and C, in Facebook events, we usually list a lot of the events that we'll be going to, and so that's a great way to look there and see exactly where you can sign. And in the case of Fargo and Bismarck, we also have some places where there are business owners 
um, who have their thing out there as well. So you can just go right to a business and sign there as well. Brandon, thanks for your time. Thanks a lot, Rob. Great to do it. That's uh, Brandon Medenwald talking about the open uh, Sunday issue, which I don't know. I think we ought to pass. I, I Anytime you start trying to put in law, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, or whatever, I, just leave it up to people to decide. Society will work it out. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Report, 970 WDAY AM, 93.1 FM, 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. We just interviewed uh, Brandon Medenwald. He's he's heading up the uh, the petition effort on uh, closing the North Dakota's blue laws, you know, laws forcing some businesses to close on Sunday. Some, but not all. I, I mean, I, that, that's the absurdity of the blue laws thing is that lots of businesses are open. Gas stations are open. Right. And most gas stations, convenience stores are, you know, are basically like grocery stores and, and dollar stores anyway. I mean, you go in there, you can buy anything from like sculptures to, a, you know, can of Coke if you want. I mean, it's, you know, so, so the idea that we're accomplishing anything with this, I, I think is foolish. It is interesting. I, I think it's interesting what Brandon said is how many people, when they're opposing this, they're just saying, well, I like to spend my Sunday mornings going to church, so I don't want the law to change. Or, you know, I, I like Sunday mornings for this, so I don't want the law to change. And the thing is, is like the law isn't affecting you right now, right? Like like you're clearly already doing that on Sunday mornings, right? You're already doing what you want to do on Sunday mornings. Why would you not just leave this up to everybody? Why not just let everybody make a choice, right? I mean, I don't understand that attitude. And a lot of people have it, like, well, you know, I don't really have any skin in the game, so I, I just think it ought to be this way, right? I, I, always, I, I always call it the um, there ought to be a law attitude. Well, there ought to be a law, right? I, I think a lot of people have that on, on situations like this. Yeah, and it's frustrating because just because this law isn't affecting them and they have no skin in the game doesn't mean that other people don't right. have skin in this game. And the fact of the matter is that, it, you know, it's not necessarily helping North Dakota businesses. It's, in fact, probably hurting North Dakota businesses. And nobody's going to force these businesses to open at yeah. 10 a.m. on Sunday. But it would be yeah, nice I mean, I the option. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, I, I'm trying to think of a business that's like being like, like is make or break on whether or not they can be open before noon on Sunday. I mean, I just don't. I don't necessarily I don't know think that, that situation. I don't. Exists, I don't. Yeah, but... I don't think that it's a make or break situation. But it, you know, it probably is kind of. I know that it's inconvenient for some retail workers because you have a stupid length shift on Sundays. Right. Because you're either there from open to close, which which just seems interminable, or you're there for like three hours, which seems I, hardly I, worth it. I I don't know because I don't. I honestly I don't go shopping. On Sunday morning, I, I guess you know I, I'm one of those people. I'm usually like making breakfast for my kids or laying around in bed reading a book or something. So I don't, I don't know. Is like like some of the stores like is Walmart like half open? Like can you go in to their no. grocery store? Nope, you can't go into Walmart until at all and until noon. Not even like the grocery side. Mm-hmm. Because of the blue I, law. Because there's no, I guess there's no real physical barrier between the two. 
Yeah. So you can't like just go in and only buy grocery items or something like that. I mean, who's going to stop you if you wander over and get if a you wander over to like electronics and right. How how dare you buy toothpaste on Sunday morning? I really needed that toothpaste, Rob. <laughs> yeah, I, I was out. I, you know, I, I just don't get it. And the thing is, is it's not about like I, I, I get like I want to respect people's spirituality. Right. I mean, I but also, I mean, there's a simple fact of the matter. Not everybody celebrates the Sabbath on Sunday. Exactly. And it's not even, you know, all not all Christians celebrate the Sabbath on Sundays. Yeah. Wednesdays are a really big church day just in Fargo. Like every church I go by has a Wednesday service. Right. Yeah, and like like Catholics do, like uh, they have like Catholic school right on Wednesday night sometimes. And, Catechism I mean, or whatever it's called. Yeah. Yeah. And you I'm, know, so, I'm sorry if I'm butchering it. I'm not Catholic, so I don't. Sorry I'm not either, I'm, but I, I know. I know they do something on Wednesday. Well, and people of of the Jewish faith, their Sabbath is Saturday. Yeah. Are there like Christian denominations that is Saturday too? I think so, but I don't know which one specifically, so I didn't. And it doesn't matter. There's some. I mean, it's not always Sunday. Maybe it's Sunday for most, but it's not always Sunday. Um, you know, so I mean, that I, I think that's the thing is is we're always trying to like create a law, and 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 just I, I think this is the problem with with public policy in general. I, I I think there's maybe a lesson to learn here about the larger question of when it's appropriate appropriate to legislate. And you know, I, I think the problem is here, you're not gonna you're not gonna write a rule that fits everybody. So maybe this is this is the thing where you just let society decide. People can do what they want on that morning. And and you know what? If if you're the sort of worker and um you know, you end up getting scheduled on Sunday mornings and you don't like it, well, you know, do something about it. Change your career. You're not nobody's forcing you to work that job. You don't have to stay in that field. I used to work retail. You know, I used to manage a retail store. That meant a lot of times, you know, I hated coming in the day after Thanksgiving, right? I would oh, rather have ta- been able to take, yeah, I would rather have taken that day off. That was a miserable day to work. I hated coming in right after Christmas because you had to do all the returns, right? That wasn't any fun. But you know what? I did it, and eventually I changed my career, and I did something else because I didn't want to do that forever. Now, I'm not saying those are good jobs. There's nothing wrong with those jobs, but that just comes with the territory. I'm sure there's a lot of cops they don't especially like being out in a patrol car on Christmas. It's probably a lot of soldiers who don't want to be overseas, but rather be at home for the holidays. It's probably a lot of first responders who don't want to be in an ambulance on Thanksgiving. But you know what? That's the job. So I don't know. I hope I hope this petition passes. More to come. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be back right after this. So go away. Welcome back, Rob Report, 970 WDAY AM, 93.1 FM. 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. want more ska in our playlist. What's that? I want more ska you, in our you playlist. You want more? Yeah. Yeah. I love ska. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> I like I liked Sublime, you know, for... for, for uh, uh, North Dakota kid, uh, my friends and I were really into uh, Sublime back when we were in high school, which was short-lived. The uh, lead singer ended up 
dying, unfortunately. From, mm. I think it was a heroin overdose. Pretty awful, but talented dude. Good band. Uh, all right, last week, uh, we the Boy Scouts of America announced that they were going to become the boy and, I guess, some girls Scouts of America. They're letting girls into the ranks. Um, which we, have we heard any updates to Teal on whether or not they're going to change the name yeah, of the I organization? Know, I don't know what they're going to call themselves. I'm kind of hoping they just start calling themselves Scouts of America. The Scouts. The Scouts. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great idea. Just just drop boy Scouts. Drop, drop, drop the gender and just we're just we're the Scouts. Right. I think that'd be great. That seems that seems like a good plan to me. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, the Girl Scouts aren't happy about it, though. No, and, they are not. No, they are not. And there was actually uh, an op ed. Uh, for Time Magazine from a board member of the Girl Scouts. Um, actually, a, a male board member, as it happens. A gentleman by the name of Charles Garcia, who uh, previously served as the chairman of the Board of Visitors to the U.S. Air Force Academy, which um, it, it's it's important to, to note that because the Air Force Academy went through a big problem with sexual assault scandals, right? I, I think anybody not familiar with that could Google it, but... The Air Force Academy had a, had a big, big problem with it. Uh, he was the chairman of the Board of Visitors for the U.S. Air Force Academy when that was going on, and that's actually his complaint about the Boy Scouts adding girls, is he's saying, hey, Boy Scouts, uh, get your house in order before you start inviting girls into your ranks. Here, I'm quoting from his op-ed. Uh, he says, the horror story I saw at my cherished alma mater, I now see in vivid colors being played out at BSA. He's referring to his time at the Air Force. Uh, if you want to see it, too, Google three words, Boy Scouts abuse. In a significant investigation in 2012, the Los Angeles Times used data and case files from 1947 to 2005 to report that approximately 5,000 men and a handful of women were expelled from the Boy Scouts of America on, quote, suspicion of sexual abuse. BSA commented at the time that it had been improved uh, that it had improved its policies over the years, conducted criminal background checks on volunteers since 2008, and reporting concerns about abuse to the police since 2010. By the way, they've only been reporting concerns about abuse to the police since 2010? What, what were we doing before? What was Boy Scouts doing before they were reporting possible child abuse to police before 2010? Anyway, I don't want to get down that rabbit hole. Uh, he continues, reports of abuse still come out. Just last Friday, a judge ordered a former scoutmaster and physician to pay $120 million for allegedly sexually abusing a boy. Now, this sounds really bad. I mean, from 1947 to 2005, 5,000 cases? I mean, that's that's a lot. Um, you know, you're talking about 58 years there from 1947 to 2005. Uh, so let's see, 5,000 divided by 58. You're talking about 86 cases of abuse a year, but is that... I mean, I don't know. I mean, the Boy Scouts of America is, is large. I mean, our country has millions and millions of people in it. The Boy Scouts have millions of members. Our 86, I mean, I, one is too many in our eyes. Nobody wants to see a child get abused or anybody get abused for that matter. But is 86 a lot? You know, statistically, in, a, in an organization as large as the Boy Scouts? You know, and, and again, um, it's on suspicion of sexual abuse, which so we don't even know that you know, an 86 a year on average from 1947 to 2005. We don't even know if all of those are even, if there was actually abuse in all of those cases. I mean, I guess we don't know. It's suspicion, and obviously the suspicions were strong enough that somebody got kicked out of the organization, but you don't know. Was it false allegations? Was it an ex-wife making false allegations about her husband? I mean, we don't know. We don't really know. Those aren't confirmed convictions. Those are 
86 people a year who are kicked out because of suspicions. So still not good. Still not a good number. Don't get me wrong. But going through all of that, Natil, I can't help but look at this op-ed as a little bit, especially coming as it does from a board member of the Girl Scouts, this seems a little bit like gotcha, right? I, I mean, I, I'm sensing a little bit that this is more the Girl Scouts trying to protect their brand by throwing mud at the Boy Scouts, right? Like the Boy Scouts are going are gonna to tread on the Girl Scouts' domain, and so now they're slinging mud. I mean, that's what this seems like to me. You're probably not wrong in a lot of ways. It's, it's a really, I think the Girl Scouts right now are in a very difficult position because they, you know, they, they aren't necessarily open to opening their ranks to boys because right. they, they were sort of founded on this idea of empowering young women. And in a, in a time when that wasn't necessarily happening anywhere else. So they, they have this very long legacy of that specifically. And when the Boy Scouts start to allow little girls to come into their ranks, they're losing out on on their membership, which is the core of their business. So right. they're they're in a they're in a tough spot. And I don't I don't think the way they're going about it right now is the way to be handling it. Mudslinging isn't gonna draw more right. people to them. I mean, listen, and, and again, I don't, I don't want to, and this was news to me about the Boy Scouts. I had no idea, I guess, that it was 5,000 cases is a lot. Even, you know, 86 a year from 1947 to 2005 is, is a lot. I, I'd like to see what happened because apparently, you know, 2008, 2010, the Boy Scouts says they started cracking down. I'd like to see the abuse rates during those years. Uh, he didn't cite that data. Um, and again, talking about Charles Garcia, uh, who is a chairman of the chairman of the board of the Girl Scouts, or not chairman of the board? He's a member of the board of the Girl Scouts. Um, I don't know. I I just don't. I don't understand. I I mean, do people? And and maybe we should. I I mean, I I guess I don't know. I I wasn't aware of of the scope, but I mean, do people feel unsafe sending their boys to, to Boy Scouts now? I mean, generally, I don't. I don't think so. I think most people, you know, the Boy Scouts have, you know, become a little bit. It's been a little bit of a political hot potato because of the Boy Scouts, you know, long stance on on homosexual scout leaders and homosexual scouts. Um, but a, but beyond that, I, I mean, I, I think most people feel like the Boy Scouts are a pretty good organization. You know, I, I think I've always thought they were great. Um, so I don't know. I, I mean, I, I feel like the Girl Scouts are feeling like the Boy Scouts are going to are going to pull away some of their membership and they're not necessarily willing to open their doors to Boy Scouts, so I, I feel like they're slinging mud. I, I, feel, I feel like that's what this is. They're they're out to make the Boy Scouts look bad because they don't want to lose membership. And I guess the real question then becomes how how do the Girl Scouts handle this? What what now will differentiate the Girl Scouts from the Boy Scouts? Are the are the types of scouting going to sort of just diverge and the Boy Scouts or whatever they decided to call themselves now as they're rebranding, are they going to focus more on the, you know, camp type scouting, the the outdoorsy stuff, the right. survival skill stuff where the Girl Scouts will continue to focus more on things like arts Le- and technology and-, and and like like the leadership type stuff. Um, I guess both kind of embrace leadership, but yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, ways, I, but it- it's certainly harder for them to differentiate themselves. Absolutely. Which. You know, gets to my point. I mean, and I, I was a little bit on the fence 
I mean, I guess generally I don't really have a dog in the hunt. I was a little bit on the fence about the Boy Scouts allowing girls in to begin with just because I don't necessarily know that it's necessarily a bad thing to, to create spaces where girls can just be with other girls and boys can be with other boys and, and they can learn skills and leadership and, and all the things that you learn in these organizations without necessarily the, the complexities of having girls there too, right? I mean, that could be a distraction when you put boys and girls together in a situation. It's a different dynamic than if it's, if it's you know, sort of monolithically one gender. So, I mean, I don't know. I, it's it's an interesting thing. It's going to be interesting how the Boy Scouts handle this. But, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, the Girl Scouts, I mean, at, at that point, what we're, what's the difference between the two, really? I well, mean, what... What's the what's the contrast? And as someone who was a Girl Scout for over a decade, I don't I don't like to see this side of the organization that I was a part of. And I was a I was a very big proponent yeah. for the Girl Scouts. I mean, I, I earned my silver award. I started to work toward my gold award. I was the only now, gold award. Is that is that like it, Eagle it's, Scout? it's like Scout? it's like becoming an Eagle Scout. Okay, yeah, it's, okay. it's the Girl Scout equivalent. Gotcha. So it I, I did a lot with with my history in Girl Scouting and. I don't. I don't want to see the organization that I was a part of become some sort of mudslinging organization because they're worried about their bottom line. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I. I don't know. I. I go back and forth. On, on one hand, I. I could see. I could see having. I. I could see the value in gender specific scouting programs. And, you know, maybe the Girl Scouts are going to continue to provide that. With the Boy Scouts sort of moving away, that may not be available for every scout. I mean, depending on the situation. So, I don't know. Times they are changing. It's going to be interesting to see how it comes out. We'll wrap up the show right after this. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be right back. You know, Natil, uh, talking about this controversy over Halloween costumes we have every year. By the way, this is the Rob Report, wrapping the show up. Um, I was just reading, there's actually a, a company out of Minnesota. It's in North uh, Mankato. It's uh, fun. Fun.com, I guess, is the name of the of the company. And they, were, they had a, a website, uh, HalloweenCostumes.com or something like that. Anyway. They were selling an Anne Frank costume for Halloween, and I guess people are outraged about this. But here, here's the kicker, and this is why, like these, uh, this is from the Associated Press. Um, and Anne Frank, obviously, if, if you're historically illiterate, was the Holocaust victim uh, who died in the attic. She's very famous for writing the diary. If you don't know who Anne Frank is, you need to probably repeat high school. Um, I don't know. I mean, probably I would not send my kid out into the neighborhood to go trick-or-treating wearing Anne Frank. I mean, that's not a fun thing. But but here's the kicker, right? Because everybody's, you know, you hear that and you're ready to be outraged about it. But here's the comment from the company uh, buried a little bit further down in the article. I quote from the Associated Press, North Mankato, Minnesota-based Fun.com uh, runs the website. Spokesman Ross Walker-Smith tweeted Sunday that the costume had been pulled from the website. He explained that the company sells costumes for activities other than Halloween, 
like school projects and plays. He apologized for any offense caused by the costume. So, okay, oh, so you've so got it this. Wasn't, it wasn't like listed as a Halloween costume. It was just well, a costume they were offering. So is what I'm gathering here, I mean, this, this, this company has a bunch of different domain names, right? I mean, they, they basically, they make costumes and novelties and stuff. That's their business. And then they have a whole bunch of different domains that they use to market their market their products, probably at different seasons or different constituencies or, or whatever. Uh, and so I, what I'm thinking probably happened is they have a bunch of costumes, and this costume just got lumped into their their Halloween uh, marketing. I I think that's what happened. I mean, they're saying this is the product that they sell, but. It just goes to show, like, like this is sort of the, the outrage culture, like, oh, we're upset because so-and-so wore a costume or whatever. Like, everybody gets upset about these things because they hit the Internet and everybody flips out. And then a lot of times there's there's more to the story. Like, a lot of times if you look closely, it's maybe not really as bad as it seems. Right? I, I don't think this company was actually trying to sell anybody, uh, and unless they're just flat-out lying, and maybe they are. I don't know, but... I don't know. I mean, I just have a hard time believing that this company was actually trying to sell people Anne Frank Halloween costumes. I think it's more likely they make costumes in general. Uh, this was a costume that they, they sold, and it got listed on their Halloween uh, website. And, you know, it was probably by accident at that point if they if they yeah. have multiple websites. Because, I mean, when you think about it, if you've got a school that's doing a performance on because I'm sure there's a there's a play version of there is the I'm forgetting what it's called Frank. yeah I think that's what it's called yeah there is a play version I've I've I've, so I've heard of it so if you've got a school performing that then obviously the person who is playing Anne Frank needs an Anne Frank costume right maybe mom <laughs> or dad don't have time to sew one uh, so they're going to order one off the internet or maybe and... the school is too small to have a costuming department when I when right. I went to school our drama department didn't have a we didn't have like a separate costuming department we were sort of just responsible to figure it out ourselves right so I don't know I you know earlier in the program we were talking about this that people getting upset uh, people were uncomfortable by to kill a mockingbird being taught in their school or whatever people just need to get over some of this stuff. You know, we, we live in such an age of perpetual outrage. I mean, that's just it. And, and the thing is, is like this is the Associated Press, right? And so you're reading it, and the headline is Halloween retailer pulls Anne Frank costume amid complaints, right? I mean, that headline, you read it, and immediately you're mad, right? Because the idea of somebody dressing up as Anne Frank for Halloween is demeaning to the Holocaust. I mean, that's that's really pretty inappropriate. That's a pretty gross thing to do. Only if you read to the bottom... You have to scroll down to the bottom of the article. You find out they may not have actually been trying to market this as a Halloween costume, right? This was probably just an, a mix-up in their online catalog. Not that big a deal. But yet, because the outrage that it sponsors is going to get all sorts of clicks, that's what they're doing. And this is the Associated Press, the AP, like like one of the largest news organizations in the world. Clicks pay the bills. I guess. I guess. But, you know, the largest is, is I, I don't even really blame the Associated Press for this because what they're doing is they're serving demand. Because that's the thing is, is, is that there is demand out there for outrage. People just like being outraged. They like being ticked off about things. You know, people say, well, if it bleeds, it leads, right? And they blame journalists and the media for that. But who are the bunch of morbid jerks who are into stuff that's bleeding? What market are they serving? Nobody's clicking on stories about planes landing safely. Everybody wants to see the body count. 
You know, so I don't know. I mean, we're we're really the problems. We're the ones who like to be outraged by all this stuff. And the thing is, is you got to knock it off. Knock it off. If if you don't like a Halloween costume, if you don't like a book or something, don't look at it. Don't read it. You know, this country needs this country needs a department of shut the hell up. That's what we need, right? And then we'll just direct people there. I'm upset because my kid's reading a book I don't like. Here, here, here's a. Here's the phone number for the department of shut the hell up. That's where you go. Shut up. You live in a free society. You're going to have to deal with it. Seems like we could staff it with maybe like one person. Yeah. The one person know. who never has to answer the phone because it's the department of shut up. Yeah. We can just have like a recording. We wouldn't even have to staff it. We don't have to pay anybody any benefits. It could just be a recording. Oh, come on now. I want that cushy job. I want that cushy government job with the cushy government Medical no, because that would outrage insurance. me, and then I'd have to call the department. <laughs> you could call me, and I wouldn't answer the phone. <sighs> Just shut up. That's my outgoing message this Monday. If you're thinking about being outraged about something, just shut up. Jay Thomas Show coming up next. With, with those uh, those words of wisdom, we'll pass you on to the next show. Jay Thomas Show coming up. You can always catch me here 12 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday on 970 WDAY AM and 93.1 FM for 24 hours a day, seven days a week at sayanythingblog.com. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again.